You're listening to the Higher Ed Marketing Lab. I'm your host, Jarrett Smith. Welcome to another episode of the Higher Ed Marketing Lab. I'm Jarrett Smith. For better or worse, decentralized marketing teams are a reality for many schools. And while this model solves a number of important problems, it leaves many leaders wishing for greater economies of scale and alignment across teams. In this episode, we'll be looking at the University of Texas at San Antonio and how operational changes they made during COVID permanently transformed the way their marketing team works. Joining us in the conversation is Ann Peters, Associate Vice President for Marketing and Special Projects at UT San Antonio. Also joining us is Brett Calvert, Senior Executive Director of Marketing at UT San Antonio. We start by discussing UTSA's decentralized marketing operations and how the demand for carefully coordinated communication around COVID led them to develop a series of new mechanisms to foster better alignment and resource sharing across teams. Ann and Brett explain how they generated buy-in from leaders to make these changes and the benefits and trade-offs they realized as a result. Ann and Brett wrap up by offering their advice to marketing leaders who are interested in fostering better collaboration across highly distributed teams. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Ann Peters and Brett Calvert. Ann, Brett, welcome to the show. Thank you, you, Brett. Good to be here. Yeah, well, I am really excited to talk about all the interesting work y'all are doing at the University of Texas, San Antonio, especially with regard to sort of cross-divisional teams across your marketing communications function. Um, Before we get into all that, I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about UT San Antonio and your roles there. Absolutely. I'll, I'll start and then kick it over to Brett. So uh, my name is Ann Peters. I'm the Associate Vice President for University Marketing and Special Projects at UTSA. I've been at UTSA since 2009. So I guess I'm getting to be a, an old timer there, but I've been in multiple roles over those years and uh, have kind of worked through uh, different, different areas, uh, was hired to work for our president when he started in 2017 doing communications for him and then has kind of since moved into a uh, uh, marketing role and taking on the university marketing team who are a joy to work with. And uh, so I've been doing higher ed uh, marketing and communications basically for my whole career, uh, just about since, since, uh, since I graduated from college. So this has been a lifelong passion for me. And I'm Brett Calvert, the Senior Executive Director of Marketing at UTSA. I've just finished my eighth year here. And uh, before that, I was in uh, media sales as the national sales manager at the ABC affiliate here in San Antonio. And then I was the vice president of marketing at Division Works uh, Optical Chain, which is based in San Antonio. So I transitioned into higher education. uh, It was kind of a dual passion. I, I graduated from here. My daughter graduated from here. We're, we're donors at the university. And uh, it felt like a, a good place to be and a lot better than reading uh, sales sheets and earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization, <laughs> and chasing around clients for, for money and things like that in, in sales. So it's good uh, deal. very different. Good deal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I wonder if you could just talk to us a little bit about how marketing communications has historically been structured at UTSA. How do y'all operate? And I guess, 
where do you fall or historically have you fallen kind of on that spectrum of centralized versus decentralized? Well, so Jarrett, one of the things that that might be interesting context for the listeners is that we are a relatively young institution. We're only 50, 50 years and change um, that we've been around. And so uh, we have some of those young institution joys and, and challenges. Uh, we've grown so quickly in the last few years and we're on this steep uh, growth trajectory right now where our enrollment has been going up and up. And that's one of our strategic goals as an institution. So right now we're sitting at right around 35,000 students. And uh, so, you know, I think it's fair to say that, that um, you know, the bigger you get, the harder it is to centralize, right, or, or to take a centralized approach. And at UTSA, we've had a de- very decentralized approach to marketing communications uh, as long as I've been there, and, and I dare say probably from the early years. And that decentralization has only gotten more pronounced in recent years. And it's a dual-edged sword, which of course we'll get into, right? And there are pros and cons, and I know there's different philosophies, different camps uh, as to you know what's what's better or worse. But for for better or worse, that is kind of the current situation at UTSA. And and rather than fight it, I think Brett and I have come to that place of peace and zen around it and <laughs> acceptance. Deep acceptance. Yep. Deep acceptance and just said, you know what, this is the way it is. That structure is probably not going to change anytime soon. Probably not worth our political capital to try and change it. So let's maximize it instead. Let's just see if we can, you know, leverage leverage it and uh, you know get as get as many people on the bus as we can, even though we're all organizationally in separate shops. And um, what what can we do to sing from the same songbook? Even though we're all working with different budgets and we're all reporting to different places. So um, one of the nice things, though, one of the silver linings about this kind of deep decentralization is that our satellite shops in all the different areas around the university have really gotten stronger and and bigger. A lot of a lot of our shops on campus have have pretty large staffs at this point, and they've got you know dedicated web developers and dedicated graphic designers and dedicated writers, and um, you know so that in some ways makes our job as the central university marketing unit uh, easier because folks rely on us less. Uh, to do work for the entire university, which allows us to concentrate a little bit more on the institutional priorities and kind of fulfilling that role of uh, putting, you know, putting some parameters in at the top, some some kind of guidelines and brand platforms and, and things that everyone can work from. Interesting. Brett, I have to ask, as somebody who did not start out in higher ed, coming into to higher ed marketing and sort of very decentralized way of operating. Was that, was that surprising for you or, or how did you make that adjustment coming from industry into higher ed? Yeah, it, it, it did in a way, you know, I, I, I think the, um, you know, the, the nonprofit attitude at, at, a, at a public university uh, was quite different than anything I'd ever experienced before. I mean, when you're, when you're looking at sales goals and if you don't meet sales goals, people get laid off or, you know, companies change, you know, positions and things like that. The stakes were quite a bit higher in previous uh, jobs, but, but here, I think what, what Ann was saying, you know, we, we had, uh, we were, when I started, we were, we were nestled under development and advancement. And so our priorities were sort of for, for them. 
Uh, and then we did a little bit of uh, enrollment marketing on the side. Uh, and then we got a little bit more money to do that. After I started, we were able to sort of make a case for why enrollment marketing needed to be more competitive. And then I think after after we formed the university relations uh, department or division, we, we started to see that some of these jobs like enrollment marketing or what was happening in strategic uh, academic communications were areas that could probably, as Ann was saying, stand on their own with their own staff and do a better job than us trying to do all things to all people. And, you know, when I think before I started, we actually even handled the athletics marketing. So there was a lot of like yeah. a lot of things going on with a with a eight person shop that were, you know, just not sustainable. Mm-hmm. But the way it's set up now, we we can act as, as counselors or advisors or idea people or designers or web people rather than trying to do it all, you know, for everybody. So this, uh, this structure works pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So I, I did want to ask about enrollment management. How, how has that sort of historically worked at, at UTSA and um, the sort of that collaboration between marketing and in the enrollment side of the house, how has that collaboration worked? Very good. I mean, we've got, we've got a, a great relationship with that division. Uh, the, uh, you know, when, when I started, we did, no digital advertising. Uh, there was like a little bit of stuff that was done. They would do like magazine ads and things like that. So once once you know more money came in and and the and the realization of what a priority it was to keep that that funnel uh, going and, and keep it growing, uh, I think everyone uh, saw the the advantages of of us working together and then having their own shop be a standalone organization that can do a better job of focusing on that with all of the levers they had to be able to pull in those, uh, in that area. Yeah, and what I do think, you think? Well, I was going to say one of the things that, that uh, I find uh, interesting is how often I see uh, colleges and universities where their central marketing function and their strategic enrollment function are completely separate islands and uh, have a, maybe a tolerance relationship with one another, or even a little bit of a adversary relationship with one another, because a lot of times you find them coming, coming at odds, right? Uh, strategic enrollment has a very defined audience uh, and they know what appeals to the prospective student audience. And it doesn't always align neatly with the university central branding uh, uh, efforts. And so that often causes them to spin off in their own direction and a lot of times then you don't get that brand linkage. And, uh, and I, I used to work in, in uh, strategic enrollment uh, marketing back in my early days in my career. So I know that world well, and I understand that, that point of view. So when I came into my role at UTSA, you know, I saw that that, that phenomena was true at, at UTSA as well. And uh, the truth of the matter is, though, that our strategic enrollment marketing areas, their advertising budget, their marketing budget is actually bigger than the central university marketing budget for good reason, right? Because they have to invest as it should be. They have to invest much more deeply in, in digital strategies and um, and, you know, work in the funnel and, and you know, doing all the all the important infrastructure work to make sure the CRM is, is working well and, and effective and all that good stuff. Those things take a lot of money. So uh, one of the first things that uh, I really wanted to do when I walked into this role is form a super strong alliance with our strategic enrollment marketing team and really come at it 
together as a team as opposed to separate entities. And we had an opportunity to do that through um, a brand development process. So we did launch a new brand, institutional brand, basically in the midst of the pandemic, which was not ideal and a learning experience, but, um, but actually worked out pretty well. Uh, but leading up to that time, uh, we worked with our strategic enrollment partners to develop that uh, with their input, very much their, their heavy input. And we continue to have, we have standing meetings with them. We uh, do budget collaborations with them where we talk, we look at both of our budgets and say, okay, what are we spending money on and how can we dovetail and where does it make sense to join forces? And, and okay, are you, you guys will take care of digital spend. We're going to do outdoor, you know, we kind of figure out how we're going to divide and conquer. And because of that, the institution's brand is much more heavily represented in um, prospective student marketing materials than I think it's it's ever been before. So seeing that linkage and seeing that consistency has been really rewarding. Yeah, I think it's it's the the collaboration between marketing and uh, enrollment management is so so critical. It's a beautiful thing when you see it working well, and uh, it's it's really can be painful to watch when it's not. <laughs> so I mean, I think that's such a great example of kind of the the collaborations you have had at UTSA and but I know the the pandemic uh for you I think really became a catalyst for for more for a deeper level of of collaboration across um across the school and so I'm just curious if you could talk to us a little bit about some of the the changes and I guess maybe one way to sort of work into this is to take us back maybe to the early days of the pandemic and what kind of challenges was your office facing and some of the pressures you were under and how you started to adapt and think differently about the way Marcom is happening at UTSA. Well, you know, I think our experience is, is not probably terribly unique. Uh, I think uh, all colleges and universities had had similar uh, similar experiences, but, you know, it's fascinating to me to see how all of a sudden those of us doing uh, marketing had to become public health communication experts overnight, right? And all of a sudden that became the focus is how do we most effectively get these messages across uh, these important public health messages to our to our students, faculty, and staff. And video became so much more important than it ever was before. Running virtual events became critical and something that we were admittedly, you know, not very experienced with. And we all of a sudden had to, you know, ramp up things like turning around fully developed websites overnight and, and you know, pushing out hundreds of communications <laughs> to, you know, our, our constituencies. And again, this is not unique. Everybody went through the same thing. But uh, it was really an opportunity, you know, looking back on it, because we were already trying to make headway around tearing down some of these silos, right, and starting to build bridges across all these these Marcom units across our campus and bringing the folks who have had similar skill sets and, and responsibilities together to collaborate more. But when the pandemic hit, all of a sudden it became not a luxury anymore. We had to. We needed bench depth. Uh, we had uh, folks who were getting sick with COVID and all of a sudden couldn't fulfill responsibilities that, that we needed others to step in. And so it became apparent pretty quickly that we needed to form some cross-divisional teams uh, that could, you know, provide that bench depth, provide that expertise and, and kind of, kind of say, you know what, silos out the window. Like I know you're, you're a videographer for, 
you know, our student affairs area, but we really need you to come over here and do this video about, uh, you know, masking, you know, <laughs> things that, you know, wouldn't have normally been in their realm of, of uh, expertise. And hey, web developers on campus, we know you're all responsible for your own websites, but we need you all to come together and get our COVID website up overnight, you know. So we put together, we triage, we put together these teams um, and uh, they worked really well. They worked really well. They worked so well that we we're like, ooh, we want to keep these. These are great. And uh, we're developing relationships we'd never had before. We're sharing resources we never had before. It it was it was really kind of awesome. So that's been, I think, for Brett and I, that's been one of our charges here uh, as we've kind of moved into our into our new normal, uh, is how do we keep all these cross collaborative efforts and teams in place, even when we are not in crisis mode uh, and keep them going and keep reaping the benefits. Yeah. I'm wondering if you could kind of drill down a level deeper into that and we can kind of paint the picture of the structures that have been put in place as an organization. Cause I, I'm, I imagine that a lot of this kind of started very expediently and was probably pretty chaotic, but then over time it kind of solidified into more formal uh, kind of structures that were put in place. I know there's a number of things that you you have in terms of cross divisional teams. Could you kind of describe like the core components of that? Oh, sure. Yeah, we well, we we obviously partner with strategic enrollment, uh, have uh, regular meetings with them to talk about their priorities, projects, things that we're working together on, uh, student affairs and academic affairs. Uh, all were were key to our you know being able to continue to communicate. And we had a lot of, of, of different types of, of, of tasks that were being done, whether it was email, web content, academic communication, social media, uh, all the websites that needed to be created, uh, and then the video teams and Tom's leads for teams were all created. I, and, you know, it was one of the things where in the pre-pandemic days, as most companies and institutions, uh, you had to, like, set up a meeting in a, in a room with live people. We, we never, we never had the luxury of, of just, you know, jumping on a, a video screen like this. And even though it had been dabbled in and talked about, I think that really opened up everyone's calendars to be able to find ways to, instead of having to have time to commute across campus or go to the downtown campus or do other things, you were now, you know, available, uh, all the time. And uh, I was, you know, as Ann was as well, we were very proud of, of the way our teams responded and the way they stepped up, worked on weekends and evenings, even though it wasn't something they were used to doing. But at the same time, I think everyone felt there was a mission that needed to be accomplished. And everyone, you know, really jumped on board and found the energy and the time and the resources to be able to put together, you know, great work. And that pivot, you know, is, is lasting. We've got new employees that start and they are put on these teams to, you know, participate. We have videographers that join from other, you know, divisions and they want to be part of the video team and, and be able to cross collaborate. We've got, uh, you know, new communicators and writers that come on board that, that also uh, realize that there's a lot that they can learn from us. And at the same time, you know, we, we set up structures like the uh, Marcom Studio webpage, which that site brought together all of the different tasks and jobs that marketing communications and anything related to that were all put in one place. So a, a new employee can go in there and see how, you know, what editorial styles they should use or what where the video team was, who was on the team, how they could get in touch with us. You know, it was a lot of information that had never really been, you know, gelled 
for people to be able to find easily. And, and I think that was something that we had already been working on, but it, it got put in the fast lane as a result. So it was a, a challenging period, but at the same time, we, we found ways to bring people together quickly, easily, and at the same time have a, a coordinated communication effort put out. So kind of coming out of that, I mean, you've got, I heard you say web content, email, uh, video team, academics team. You've got these various sort of cross-campus teams that are coming together. I have two questions for you. Number one is today, how often are those teams meeting? And then also how, how large are those teams and how curated is the membership for a particular team? Most of them, all of them really are continuing to meet and have been formalized. Uh, there are a couple teams that we have in place that are uh, activated only when we're in a crisis mode. Uh, so we have, uh, for example, that web development team I mentioned uh, that that's kind of a, the key web folks across campus who can put a website together overnight if needed. Um, and we have a social media monitoring team that we activate when there's a, a you know, an issue or a, a big event going on that that we need kind of all hands on deck to help monitor social media overnight. But the rest of the teams uh, that we put into place are um, are ongoing. And, you know, one of the uh, things that we had to, to do to enable that was to really work through some uh, some some buy in efforts and some a little bit of convincing to uh, make sure that the folks that, uh, you know, that oversee uh, or, you know, the, the leads on those different divisions across campus felt comfortable and understood why we were asking their folks to continue this kind of rich collaborative, you know, culture that we had built and continue to, to meet and sometimes pitch in on projects that didn't fall in their areas and share their resources. So uh, that, that has been, um, you know, kind of one of our, you know, one of our labors of love, so to speak, is is to kind of make that case. And so I, you know, have taken my little dog and pony show to many a cabinet meeting and university leadership council meeting, uh, an academic council meeting to kind of say, hey, here's, you know, here's a group that you may not have known about. And your person is in this group. And here are all the people who are in it. And this is when we meet. And this is what we do. And gosh, it's been great. And look at the results. And uh, here are the metrics we have to prove it. And you know, that kind of thing is super time consuming, that managing up process, right? Super time consuming. You have to be super thoughtful about it. You have to find the right timing. You know, there's so many factors, but it's so worth it. And, you know, once you start to build that culture and spread that philosophy, it it kind of uh, becomes infectious, so to speak. And um, so it's it's been worth it. Yeah. And when you're kind of trying to generate that buy-in, you know, to somebody who's maybe a little skeptical or at least, you know, feeling a little protective of their people, like what are some of the the most, I guess, powerful things you're able to say to them to kind of express, this is really worth it? Oh, gosh, so many stories. Um, well, I think the, you know, one of the real advantages of this higher degree of coordination and collaboration is you know, we've really been able to consolidate and streamline and get just much more effective in the way that we message things across campus, because we're not all trying to do it separately. We're not all trying to just, you know, talk about our little piece. We're knitting it together into a larger strategy and, uh, and it's much more cohesive as a result. So, uh, you know, I can't tell you the number of times where 
we've been, you know, I, you know, because we have this email team, for example, right? We know that, uh, oh, hey, an email is being worked on over here in our um, academic strategic communications area. And they're talking about something that, oh, I happen to know Student Affairs is working on something like that too, or our business affairs folks um, have a have a piece of that over here, and they were planning to put that in a newsletter. Well, why do that? Let's just combine them and make it all, you know, holistic and, and make it make sense, right? So people don't have to do the math themselves. The easier we make it and more streamlined and the clearer, the better, especially, especially right now with all the messaging that's been going out. Um, I think we've sent more emails in the last 18 months than we've probably sent in the last five years uh, to our campus community. So, um, so yeah, I think I think being able to tell those stories to leadership as you go and and hold those up as examples, and then also show, gosh, we produced this piece of content and we used it in these 10 different places because we had all the right players at the table. They knew about it. They knew when it was coming out. We were coordinated about the timing, uh, you know, and we were able to make much more of an impact as a result. It, you know, those things, they, people, people pay attention to those things and they notice them over time. Um, but it does take a little convincing sometimes that, you know, it's, it's, uh, you are asking for people's time and attention away from their core responsibilities. And sometimes that's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a big ask. Also, I mean, we, we've acted in a rather selfless manner. I mean, there's been some horse trading going on, you know, where, you know, if somebody needs design skills or social media graphics or a video project or a website stood up quickly. Uh, we have a team that can do that for them. And by collaborating and talking to people and building those networks rather than just, you know, expecting sending someone an email and hoping they respond to you, you know, that, that if we have a little bit more of a connection and, you know, we know, you know, who we obviously we've seen inside their home since we've been working remotely, we've, we've been able to see their dogs bark and, and talk to each other. I mean, there's a lot of, 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 I wouldn't say intimacy, but a lot more connectivity to the people rather than to the, to the task. You know, so when you when you know somebody and you're able to work with them and not just, you know, ask them to do things for you, I think it helps everybody. Yeah. When it's not just purely a, a transactional right. sort of deal. Yeah. Um, really interesting. When you said horse trading, I thought, oh, they're in Texas. Of course, there's horse trading. <laughs> <laughs> Longhorn trading or something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, manatee mm. trading for the Floridians, I guess. There you go. Oh, no, no. Don't touch the manatees. Nope. Nope. You can, alligators, we've got a ton of them, but nobody okay. nobody wants to trade alligators. Oh, gosh. Well, you know, when I hear the word coordination, I mean, I, I think it's coordination and collaboration is a beautiful thing. I think, and to your point, can lead to much more effective communications and, and kind of everybody singing from the same sort of music, which I think is great. But there's a flip side to that which is this time consuming. And so I guess, could you talk a little bit about that? Maybe how do you sort of navigate the balance of, all right, the, the value of uh, coordination versus the time and energy it takes to actually pull that off? That is, that is the kicker, right? Is, is the more collaborative you are, the more 
time it takes to get everybody on the bus and to have the conversations and to have the pre-conversations before you have the, you know, the, <laughs> the meetings about meetings and yeah. And then, you know, sharing, sharing things widely and getting a lot of feedback and then how, having to deal with a lot of feedback and how do you do that? And, you know, you have to just be super strategic about it because there are times when you just don't have the time, the luxury of time to, to be able to, as collaborative as, as one would like, right? So it's all a balance. But I will say that, um, you know, project management tools can be your friend in this regard. And we have really embraced and adopted Basecamp at UTSA, I'm kind of a Basecamp evangelist and, and probably and, and behind closed doors, people probably call me a Basecamp pusher at times because I'm always <laughs> saying, let's Basecamp it, new project, let's put it on Basecamp. And I can feel the eyes rolling back in everybody's head. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> but I, I take, I take uh, uh, joy in the fact that now a lot of times I'm not the person that has to say it. Other people are saying it because I think people have gotten just so used to using it and, and just like having that structure and that organization. So that AC synchronous, you know, communication that you can do through tools like Basecamp and Asana and um, Slack and, and all those tools that are out there, they just make such a world of difference, right? It's, it's like a whole different ballgame. And so, um, you know, we, we have, uh, you know, lots of flavors of lots of Basecamp projects going, uh, including a you know, big one that's kind of for our campus communications in general and all of our campus Marcom folks are on there. And so, you know, folks can see exactly what's going on, you know, uh, across the campus. And we, you know, put parameters in place so that it doesn't get so overstuffed or difficult to, to manage or wade through that it's not useful anymore. We've kept it at a high level. Uh, but uh, it's helped us catch things, again, that, you know, we wouldn't have caught otherwise. It's, it's helped to bring people together and, and keep them organized. And that helps with the time, right? Because you can you can move through things much quicker when um, you've got a really organized tool to help you um, push things through. Yeah, and just just like video conferencing was new to us a couple of years ago, you know, this the base camp world has you know people have really embraced it and found it to be you know extremely useful for all types of projects and all everything going on. So it, as Ann said, you know, it's it, it evangelical. The evangelical nature of it is is has been quite infectious, and I think people like having a, a resource like that to be able to use when they want to use it, rather than having to be in there all the time or be in a meeting around a table of ten people. So this kind of takes me to a, another question, just for context for everybody that's listening. How are you all working now? Because during the pandemic, you everybody went remote. How how is the team working today? Mostly uh, hybrid. You know, a couple of days a week in the office. Uh, some of us are coming in every day just because of you know habits. But uh, I think there's a lot of, of of people that really enjoy working remotely like this. And uh, when they're in the office, I think the time is extremely valuable. They have get-togethers and lunches, and the the, the team building and morale uh, is is really centered around those days that they're in the office. And Ann and I try to make a point of making sure everybody knows how valued they are when they're here. And, and uh, you know, we've, we've had lunches and get togethers and happy hours are back and for some of us. So, you know, it, it's been a, it's been a really smooth transition from that. So it, thinking back across all the changes that you've made uh, over the last uh, year or, or longer at this point, what, what are the, the things that you think are going to be sticking around for the long term? 
You know, I, I think that we're going to continue to move into this kind of new role, a new space of uh, serving as the kind of the, the resource, the Uber resource, I guess, and um, uh, uh, parameters setting entity for the university, uh, as opposed to the entity that's, you know, churning out all the, all the content, right, and all the work. So, uh, you know, as, as this has kind of allowed us to, to specialize over time a little bit in that area. And um, that's been, I think that's been working well, and we'll probably continue to do that. I hope we do. So, um, and I, you know, I don't want to characterize that as more talking, less doing. <laughs> it's just that, you know, I think by, by setting those standards up here for, for everybody to follow, but making sure we're setting them collaboratively and we're getting off the input along the way so people don't feel like it's just being, you know, uh, handed to them, but that they're actually part of the process. Um, you know, that work um, is, is, if you do that right, everything falls from that, you know, kind of beautifully. So um, one, one example I can share is, you know, as part of our um, brand development process, our new uh, brand is uh, Creating Bold Features. And, um, you know, that is kind of the core, the core tagline. And early on, we had a lot of discussions around, okay, you know, if that's kind of the core institutional brand, how can we work with all of our units across campus to translate that into um, sub-brands, so to speak, that are appropriate for, for their audiences and that will really resonate with their audiences. And so our tactic there was, you know, let's, let's find a partner to work with them to develop a sub-brand and then share that story, share it widely and show everybody like, look what happens when you work with Central University Marketing, and you you use use their use them as resources and, and collaborate together on how to develop something that's brand aligned, brand adjacent to the university's core brand, uh, but also you know very customized to your audience and to your people. And so we did that with our um, capital campaign brand process, and we did that with our uh, research enterprise uh, division, and we've done it with athletics and and. Uh, you know, we we've kind of shared the results and and showed you know the new the new logos and you know had kind of iterations of the Creating Bold Futures brand for each of those, and uh, and then get a bunch more customers as we go, right? Because people see it and go, "Ooh, I want that." Ooh, do uh, that for me. Do that for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I want to be brand aligned. Yeah, and you're like, "Ooh, okay, yes, this is this is a good good thing," right? So. Um, oh, I think anytime you can get someone to willingly say, I would like to be brand aligned, like that's <laughs> that like a little marketer get their wings or something. That's like, a, right? that's a, <laughs> I know, I know. It's been, and you know, it's been really awesome. We, we, you know, the word bold has kind of become our, uh, our mantra around here and you see it everywhere and everyone's using it in all of our communications and all of our, you know, everything that's being produced across campus, people have really embraced it. And it just goes to show the power, I think, of, you know, when you set something up well and you share it widely and you make it available for people to use and tell them, teach them to use it and tell them they're welcome to use it, they'll use it. They just really want to be, you know, they would just want to want to have some guidelines to follow. And then they're most of the time they're willing, more than willing to follow them. All right. Someone's listening to this and they're like, all right, I'm going to do it. Ann and Brett did. We're going to have some cross-divisional teams. We're all going to get in the room. 
I'm going to feed them pizza. I'm going to tell their boss it's okay. It's going to be great. We're going to collaborate. Everybody's going to walk away brand aligned. So how does someone, I guess my question that I'm teeing up is like, where does this go wrong? If somebody's thinking, hey, we, our, my institution could benefit from something like this. How do, what kind of mistakes would you encourage us to avoid or where, where might that go off the rails? Oh, that's a good question, Jared. I think some of it is about uh, building a culture and kind of uh, putting it out there, uh, you know, just saying, saying to folks, you know what, this is, this is about um, helping one another out. We're all playing for the same team here. Yes, we've got different bosses and all of our bosses have different uh, priorities, but, uh, ultimately we're, we're one university. And one of the things I found really fascinating, and this is pre pandemic, but I think this has been true through the pandemic, uh, even more so is I find that for a lot of folks, there's almost a, a fear of not looking busy, right? We've been through this tremendous time where everybody's been, you know, working longer hours than they ever have before. They're working at home. A lot of the time, the the edges of home life and work life have blurred, uh, you know, and, and I think for, for a lot of us through, through these tough stretches, we've kind of felt like we've never stopped working, right. You're just working, working all the time. And, um, and so this is kind of perpetuated this, you know, if you're not crazy busy, if you're not, you don't perpetually have your plate full, you must not be very valuable. And so I think, you know, trying to break that down a little bit and say, you know what, it's okay to say, yeah, I've got a little time on my plate. I can take that on or I can help you out over here um, and not have it look like a sign of weakness or a sign that you're not, you know, your job's not important enough or, or what have you. So that's kind of, that's just an interesting little, little dynamic or, or wrinkle that, that, uh, you know, uh, we've tried to kind of imbue in, in the different teams that we've worked with. I, I think there's a, I don't know. I mean, we've had a lot of, of, you know, change, but at the same time this year in particular, we've had a lot of wins. And so I, I, you know, when you, when you see a successful football program, all of a sudden after only being around for 10 years, or you see a, a reach R1, I mean, there's a, all of that is, has nothing to do necessarily with, with what we've been, you know, doing in Marcon. But on the other hand, I think you can say that we made all of those activities and those those uh those goals uh successfully communicated and and put out to the public in a way that that probably wouldn't have been as successful if we weren't working together so uh, the uh you can look back and say we've had we've had uh, a lot of great things happen as a result of it but at the same time i think you've got to you know keep it keep it manageable i mean if you if you if you try and do everything at once and try to do everything you know, and, 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 and for something, I don't think it's going to work as well as it did with the organic uh, situation that we had here. And as Ann said, you know, getting buy-in and getting, getting people to kind of let go of some of the, the preconceived uh, notions that they have about what their job looks like and what they're supposed to be doing. Um, that's a culture change. And that is something that, that any, any institution will tell you is, is hard to do. And the pandemic, I think, was a huge challenge, but we found ways around it and at the same time gave ourselves a, a, real, uh, a real good outcome for, for 2021. You know, Brett, I did want to key in on something you said, which is you can't force it. And, and that's something that, you know, kind of stood out to me in some of the comments that you were making. It's like really creating a pull. 
Like you're not coming in and, and saying, I'm going to align you to our brand, whether you like it or not, but you're trying to provide enough uh, opportunities and make the value of that kind of self-evident enough that people recognize like, Oh, I want that for, for my team. I want that for my, my little uh, piece of the organization. And so kind of creating that, that pull and then, you know, just kind of stepping back and thinking big picture, it's like the, the, the pandemic sort of gave you cover to be able to make some pretty significant changes, but then it seems as if any, any, you sort of use the minimum amount of force to kind of make that possible and then tried to demonstrate, Hey, and here's why it's still worth it. Do you all agree? And, and, um, and sort of make it optional in that way. Am I aligned with the way you're thinking about it or, or characterizing <laughs> that correctly? You are. You're brand aligned, Jarrett. No, you're, yeah, no. Check. I think... <laughs> well, it's so beneficial. <laughs> <laughs> we brought you along and then you saw the light. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's, yep. uh, no, I think you're, you're spot on. It's, it's, it's not, you know, I think the more you can bring people along with you as opposed to, you know, just, uh, just, you know, handing them things that are, that are done and saying, please follow this, you know, that, that rarely works, especially again, the more large and decentralized you are. Right. Um, because one size does not fit all. And I think if, if I've learned anything in higher education, that's, that's it, you know, uh, one, one approach to any given audience, one type of, um, you know, messaging, one type of design isn't going to work for everybody. So you have to find ways to translate, you know, the core, the mothership, so to speak, in, in ways that, you know, are going to be appealing enough to all of your uh, divisional areas that have specific audiences they're appealing to that they're going to want to use them. And because uh, if they don't use them, then you're not, you know, if, if they're not using your, in any of your brand elements, if they're not incorporating anything uh, into, into their work, then, then, you lost. Yeah. You know, I think one of the other things we did was we built our network internally. You know, a lot of people when they're working at a job, maybe they're looking to network externally so they can look for their next gig or, you know, find ways to, to connect externally. But we really worked the, the jungle in, in our own house and made it as successful as possible by building those relationships. And I think that, that was, uh, that was key. So, Looking forward, what's next for Marcom at UTSA? What's on the horizon for your team? Well, we have a lot of exciting things going on at UTSA right now. In fact, <laughs> you sound we, so we excited, have... Anne. <laughs> well, I know, right? Oh, the excitement. After, Let me after the whole game, she'll be fine. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we have had uh, uh, this marvelous problem of so many so many good things happening, uh, in, in a relatively short amount of time, the fall, fall 2021 was of all my years at UTSA, it was the most action packed just in terms of good news. And it's been awesome. But I think that the, the biggest challenge there is when everything's happening so close together, uh, you don't have the ability to really thoughtfully put together strategies for every single thing to, to leverage it fully, because you're just you're just getting to the next thing, right? Like, all right, we, you know, $20 million gift. Great. Conference championship. Great. Carnegie R1. Great. Okay. Next $20 million gift. Okay. You know, <laughs> like nothing's getting, nothing's getting the limelight that it deserves. And so I think our, our big focus for 2022 is, you know, okay, let's, let's 
take stock of all this awesomeness from, from fall 2021, all these big milestones, all these things that are really, um, you know, putting proof in our pudding, so to speak, of our creating bold futures brand. And now how do we start to, you know, really um, leverage those after the fact and, and start to tell those stories and start to develop, you know, campaigns that, you know, are targeted to specific audiences that, we, you know, really care about these things and, you know, we'd be excited about them, but maybe haven't heard of them yet because we barely had time to say anything before we moved on to the next one. Um, so we're putting together a lot of, uh, a lot of plans like that. And then uh, we are also in the midst of expanding our downtown campus uh, in San Antonio. And that's uh, going to be uh, hitting some really huge milestones this summer with a brand new school of data science. Uh, opening in our downtown campus that's under construction now, and that's going to house a new National Security Collaboration Center. Cybersecurity is is uh, one of our signature program areas at UTSA, and so uh, you know those are those are huge. Um, you know, another huge kind of milestone for the university. So we'll be doing a lot around those pieces. So, you know, everything at this point is now that we've got our our brand established. Is how do we hook that into the brand? How do we you know, how do we make that just another representation of how we're creating bold futures for our community and our students? So it's exciting. It's going to be a fun year. I think we're going to see a lot of fruition from all of our work in 2021. And along the way, we also acquired a arts college downtown, which we need to integrate into our university. And that'll be our summer 2022 project as well. So lots going on. You've got a very full <laughs> dance card. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Well, um, and, and Brett, if uh, folks listening to this want to reach out, find out more, maybe ask some questions or engage with you, what's the, what's the best way to, to connect with y'all? Uh, well, so I think we're both on LinkedIn, so uh, you can look us up there. And uh, then we'll, you know, we are also, of course, you know, our email addresses are, are right on the UTSA Marcom Studio website. And actually, let's We'll go ahead and give you the URL in case any of your in- listeners are yeah, interested we'll put it in, in the checking show notes that out. And we'll, yep. we'll link to it. Yeah. Yeah. I encourage folks to check that site out. That was another labor of love. And that is really representative of this kind of collaborative culture we built at UTSA because it, it is the, the resource for all things marketing communications web at UTSA from all across the university, all the different units that do this work uh, collaborated on that. So it's utsa.edu slash Marcom Studio. And so check that out. And uh, we are uh, also listed on there as contacts. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing so openly and candidly about all the, the great things you're doing. And uh, uh, I think folks are really going to enjoy this episode. So thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Jared. Thank you, Jared. Higher Ed Marketing Lab is produced by Echo Delta, a full-service enrollment marketing agency for colleges and universities of all sizes. To see some of the work we've done and how we've helped schools just like yours, visit echodelta.co. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And as always, if you have a comment, question, suggestion, or episode idea, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at echodelta.co.